In modern media, superhero stories have come out on top time and time again. Most people have daydreamed about what life would be like if they could pick up that mantle and do it themselves. This week on Scheduled for Launch, join me, Zach Walsh, as I talk with Dave about his game, Metahumans Rising. This action hero game puts your story at the forefront and has an incredibly cool comic called Steel Aces that's set in the same universe. Create your hero and live your legend. We talk about comics, creating a hero, and disasters. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover the projects that you may have missed. This week, I am incredibly excited to be joined by Dave. Dave, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast this week. Hello, hello. I'm, I'm happy to be here. And we're going to be talking about your game, one of the games that you've designed here, Metahuman Rising, and some of the the peripherals and extras that are kind of attached to this project, which is really interesting and cool. I am always happy to talk about Metahuman Rising. <laughs> <laughs> Before we really get into what Metahuman Rising is, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. Uh, uh, my name is Dave Silva. Um, I, I, I've been playing role-playing games since the mid-'80s. Uh, uh, I, I got into game design when uh, Metalhead in high school said, Hey, Dave, let's make a game together. And then after about two weeks, he disappeared and never wanted to talk about it again. But I just kind of kept hammering away at ideas. And uh, <laughs> while that never went anywhere, uh, in, uh, in 2013, we released our first game, which was Fractured Kingdom. And then in 2019, we released Metahumans Rising. Uh, I, I also write for uh, AGQ, uh, which is Accessible Gaming Quarterly. That I didn't know. That's really cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I've written a number of articles uh, in the periodical. Um, uh, the the last has been a series of, of heroes that explore different different kind of accessibility issues or, or uh, um, things that we we might want to explore at the game table. That's really cool. If you don't mind, Dave, could you tell us how you got into that? Actually. Well, it, it's funny. Um, the the uh, the person behind AGQ uh, actually did the layout for Metahumans Rising, and when I oh. saw their Kickstarter, uh, I I backed that, um, and then I, I reached out to them and asked if uh, you know I I could you know write an article. Um, I, I think the uh, the first article I wrote was portraying uh a character with uh like comparing different characters like like daredevil as opposed to say oracle uh as opposed to like the thing which most people might not think of the thing is having accessibility issues but um uh -huh. he, he has socialization uh uh problems and then uh comedically in the the uh the fantastic four movie that came out in i think the early 2000s had to take the stairs because the elevator couldn't carry him. Um, and so they're, they're, but this, you know, while they play that for laughs in the movie, uh, you know, the, his size has been something that's come up uh, frequently, but his, his physical appearance and how he perceives himself was a, um, a recurring theme. Uh, 
Yeah. And so I've been writing articles on and off with a AGQ for, for quite a while. Well, that's incredibly cool to hear. I'm going to have to check out some of those because I've never really looked at AGQ. And I know I really should because it's something that needs to be out there more. But I'm, I'm now really interesting. Interested. Why is interesting? <laughs> well, you can, you can be interesting. I, I, I wouldn't deny that. <laughs> but we're here to talk about MetaHuman Rising. So what is MetaHuman Rising? Uh, so MetaHuman Rising is uh, kind of our love letter to uh, superheroes and superhero stories. Um, or, or maybe it's our love letter to comic books. But superheroes are across multiple mediums, uh, as the box office will well let you know. Um, yep. But we, we wanted to capture the creativity that you see in superheroes uh, and superhero stories and, and kind of bring that to the gaming table. Right? We, we wanted to have a, a, uh, a means to say the character sheet is your starting point for what you're capable of doing. And as a hero, how do you push yourself beyond this? Um, and that, that was kind of the working inspiration for MetaHumans Rising as we developed the game. I have been fortunate enough to actually be able to read this book. It came in a bundle. I was really excited to see it because I was interested in the topic. You had reached out to me, so we were going to actually, we had actually already scheduled this interview and I was having a little bit of a difficult time trying to figure out exactly what to ask about because one of the attached projects for this is, I believe it's called Steel Aces. And I was finding a lot of stuff for that and people talking about that, which I thought was really cool to see that that's starting to get a little bit of traction. And you had posted some stuff in the schedule for launch discord. So when I saw this, I was actually able to sit down and read it and see how this game is set up to do those narrative comic book style stories. I was really impressed first thank you (laughs) (laughs) you're welcome yeah i uh i i really i I have an appreciation for for games that have been coming out over the last decade that have really redefined or or reinvigorated what you can do in a role-playing game but yeah uh at the same time I, i have my roots in like uh games from the 80s and 90s and with Many Humans Rising, I really tried to find a balance and and bring like narrative forward in a mechanical way, um, yeah. while still like I, I guess appeasing this like lizard brain aspect of my mind that says <laughs> there must be numbers somewhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that narrative through line attached to both mechanical numbers and storytelling actually really comes through well in character creation because character creation is so much more than just making your own personal character. And I think we can actually kind of just slide through and talk about a little bit of this. So if you don't mind, can we uh, run through what character creation looks like starting with part zero? Uh, Sure. So, so part zero or, or step zero in character creation is, isn't even uh, about your character. It's about the world your character inhabits. 
some of the things that you set up here is a, a collective agreement on what the world looks like. Um, now, while I had a, a fixed setting in my mind for the Steel Aces, what we wanted to do was provide players and, and GMs a toolbox that they can use to create their own worlds and agree on what type of heroes and villains and stories that you are going to tell as a group. And so in, in this step zero, we establish things like what comic book age would your campaign best fit into? What are some of the tones uh, that you want your stories to feel? Like, like what, what is the feeling of the stories you want to tell? Right? Are are you are you looking for something more philosoph uh, philosophical uh, or, or macabre? Uh, is it just like high octane adventure where uh, the plot is just to get you to the next set piece? Um, and then uh, the other thing that we talk about are some safety tools, right? Uh, while I played in multiple games that use lines and veils, uh, I, I didn't see a lot of games discuss lines and veils. It was just kind of a uh, a concept that uh, had kind of evolved at the game table. And I wanted to formalize that into the, the, the building blocks of MetaHumans Rising. Like if you're playing MetaHumans Rising, we are going to discuss lines and veils for your game table. Um, and that way everyone has a, a good sense of what, what, what is viable because Frankly, in the superhero world, if you if you don't have this conversation, the possibilities. Uh, <laughs> I, I like to say that you can end up with a game that has Spawn, Howard the Duck, and Mary Poppins, uh, <laughs> and and that's okay if that's the game you talked about ahead of time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but if it's not, you might have some issues. Now, because I know that lines and veils is one of the terms that's kind of used by a lot of games now but it's still one of the newer ones do you mind just briefly letting the audience know what lines and veils is uh yeah of course um so so essentially these are uh either things that should not be in your in your stories uh those being lines like i i don't want to ever discuss this topic or uh should this come up we will establish that this is happening and then we will effectively pan the camera away uh, to something else uh, that is happening concurrently. Um, and there is no restriction on what a line in a veil can be because that is something that you establish uh, at the game table. Now, I run a lot of virtual games, and so when I set up a new campaign, I always say, hey, look, if you're not comfortable discussing uh, lines and veils publicly, you can always message me privately. Uh, but the same can happen at a face-to-face -face game because everyone has a cell phone these days, right? Yep. Or you can just simply pass notes, however it makes you uh, more comfortable, right? Um, mm -hmm. But then uh, as part of the – there's actually a, a, a campaign tracker that allows you to, to note these down and, and basically put it in writing, hey, these are our lines, these are our veils. I really appreciated seeing that too, the – it's 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 almost like a campaign contract, which I really liked. Yeah, that's actually a good way of putting it. Uh, one of the things that I've I've heard expressed in the past, I like the saying is like, 
the characters are love letters to the GM. Um, mm. and, and so I think the step zero is more like a group hug. <laughs> we're all <laughs> we're all making this affirmation together. This is this is our shared world. Yeah. Oh, um, other things that I, I didn't mention, like uh, other than like the high level conceptual stuff, you'll also get into things like um, are there any like major campaign events or locations, things that we want to like things that may traditionally be done by the GM uh, exclusively. Mm-hmm. Like this was my campaign world, and this happened in this year, and this happened in this year. Uh, we open that up to being for the entire group to provide input, right? Because maybe you want to set okay. something up and have it as part of the campaign history, um, either for yourself or just for other people to play off of. It's kind of like a world building thing. It's really cool, actually. It's well laid out. One of my favorite things about Metahumans Rising is the the formatting for this book is really interesting, and the rules read kind of like a comic story, which is, it's a little strange at first, and then you kind of get into it. I really appreciated how it rolled. Thank you. I, I tried to make them, uh, uh, I tried to make sure that things were easy to read or, or had a natural flow to them. Uh, so I, I apologize if, if there was a confusion at first there. No, not at all on this one, actually. Because after the part zero, we kind of run into the part one, which is backstories for your characters. And the options that are already pre-written without having to add anything are incredible. It runs like a good comic book story, an RPG, and this is where our character's story begins, mainly their origin story, what drives them, and their power and their skill set. How does this all work? So at, at, at the, the step one of character creation, uh, we're just trying to establish uh, some high-level details about the character. Like we're we're not we're not talking about like a full backstory, but um, let, let's say you wanted to play uh, a character um, who was bitten by a radioactive spider. I'm just spitballing, coming off the top of my head here. I I don't think that's ever been done before, right? Yeah, totally original um, ideas here. Totally original ideas. Yeah, completely original idea, right? Um, you might say that the power source uh, for your character is exposure, right? Or an experiment. Something happened to you, you were a normal person, and then you were changed by that. Um, mm. And that gives you a, a little mechanical bonus. Um, and then the next thing we want to establish is why are you a hero? Like, What's happened in your life that made this character want to be a hero? Um, so if we were talking about our, our uh, arachnid person, per se, uh, <laughs> we, we might say that uh, with great power comes great responsibility uh, due to the death of one's uncle, right? Um, and that, that inspired you to be a better person and to go out and fight the good fight as opposed to using your abilities just to make some money. And then finally, we say... Uh, to, to define a drive. And a drive is like a motivation. Uh, specifically, though, it is what pushes you to go beyond your limits uh, and makes you fight that much harder, right? And so if we're talking about, uh, again, a, uh, a a person with arachnid-like abilities that was bitten by a radio and, and had an uncle who died, 
uh, one might define that as say uh, their their aunt could be a possible drive, like if they're ever in danger, uh, or a significant other. Uh, this could also be uh, a vow that one might have taken, right? Uh, okay. The uh, the other thing that we do that's a little bit different is drives can also be a little bit more nebulous. Like if you have an arch villain, that's not a disadvantage, right? Um, that's a drive, right? Yeah. So so yeah. Uh, for example, if our arachnid person had a a villain that was say octopus themed, right? You could have that as a drive. And if I as a GM said uh, there is an attack at the local bank, you as the player could say, oh, it is uh, <laughs> Professor Cephalopod. And uh, <laughs> uh, now, because that's your drive, you and, and, and like, uh, I haven't really defined that. Uh, I may have was like, oh, this is just going to be an easy thing uh, just to set the stage for something later. No. It is Professor Cephalopod. We're doing this now. Right? Right. You actually get to inject that into the story because that is your character's motivation. We get to personalize the story around you. And then uh, uh, there, there's other like mechanical bonuses that are associated with it, but I don't know how deep into those details you'd want to get into. Um, some of my uh, favorite drives from the sample characters are things like wrong place, right time, uh, which is just like uh, I have a, a non-powered hero as an example who's an archer who just gets into the worst possible situations, right? Well, when that happens, uh, it triggers his drive, and, you know, there are mechanical effects that happen uh, to give him bonuses for it. Uh, there's another character, Bulwark, which is a living volcano. He has a drive to prove he's not a monster. And then we have two other heroes uh, that in the uh, in the character creation example are, are um, bonded psychically, and so they have a a drive of being psychic sisters, and uh, comes into play in any different ways where you want to like make that connection between these two characters. Mm -hmm. Drives are kind of like a really good way to inject character investment into the world right off the hop, and also provide a way for GMs to add the character into the story on a more narrative basis. 100%. And um, because these are the, the, the kind of details that we're defining at this point, you'll notice that we don't get into like deep or rich backstory here, right? We're just, we're hitting those high level beats to kind of understand who we're, we're talking about. And uh, at this stage, we'll also like conceptualize the power uh, and maybe any kind of like a potential like occupation or, or day job you might have. But, um, again, this is just high-level details or, or, or concepting for uh, the character, right? And as we go into yeah. deeper steps, we'll, we'll add uh, further detail to those ideas. Yeah, and that kind of plays into part two of the character creation and the game creation, which is power levels. And I, th I really appreciate power levels because it's super straightforward, but I think it's important to hit, especially when we're talking about, well, we live in a world where superhero stories are currently cinematic and huge, and we have stories where people are intergalactic protectors 
and then stories where sometimes our hero protects like one part of New York City. Would you just like to go shout out to Luke Cage here? But uh, I, I don't know who you intended. Yeah. I don't want to say Luke Cage. <laughs> yeah, Luke Cage was yeah, in there. The, 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 specifically those Netflix ones. <laughs> they all work in New York. <laughs> yes, they do. Hell's Kitchen, very popular. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, again, we, we haven't really put numbers to anything yet. And th- this is where the, the numbers start to solidify is um, we've already talked about what the campaign is going to look like. We have some vague ideas of, of what the characters are going to be within this world. And so now we're going to say, okay, what scale are we operating at within this setting with these people? And so it, it kind of runs from like, do you want to run like pulp stories where, uh, or, um, where not not necessarily anyone has a power or if they have a power, it's something that's underrated, but even just a couple of gangbangers or uh, gang members might be enough to threaten the character uh, and a gun is deadly to, um, well, these two superheroes towed the earth back into orbit, right? Uh, What what is the scale that we're going to operate on? Um, And so that's what you're determining at this point. Yeah. And scale is huge in this game because you can have powers that range from I can punch real good to I just can't die. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I think one of the things that we try to do is um, to capture some of those more outlandish uh, comic book characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we tried to make it a framework where having those two things might not be mutually exclusive, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, the, the character sheet is your, your jumping off point, not your, uh, you are restricted to just this thing. So we've talked a little bit about the story elements in this. Now we're going to finally start getting, looking at some numbers and that begins with attributes. Uh, yeah. What, our attributes, how do they work in this game compared to something like D&D? Um, okay, so uh, let, let's let's talk a little bit about the, the mechanics of the game for a second. Um, the, uh, the way uh, a, a role works is uh, you're going to determine what or uh, like you're going to state this is the action that you're taking and then uh, you and the GM will, will agree on what the best role for that is, right? So mm-hmm. let's say that you wanted to rip a bank vault door off its hinges, okay? You know, I'm just saying, you know, these are things that happen in the comic books. So the attributes are, are, are mostly traditional. If I'm going to run through them. It's like strength, dex, con, uh, senses, uh, fortune, which is kind of like luck and a little bit more, wisdom, intelligence, mental... Uh, and an expression, and then we have a, a history attribute, which is a way of expressing the, the nebulous things that you might have gone through and through the course of your life, connections that okay. you've made, okay. jobs that you've worked, things like that. But uh, let, let's go back to uh, ripping a, a door off its hinges. Um, if you're going to do that, uh, it, it would probably be a strength roll unless uh, there's some mitigating circumstance. 
And then yeah. uh, yeah. do you have a, a talent, which are like skills, but a little bit broader? Do you have a talent that would apply? Does your power apply to this? And uh, you'll take the value of these different uh, characteristics, add them together, and then you'll get a number of dice depending on what you are, are bringing to the table for the role. Um, you'll always have an attribute because there's, there's like the attributes cover everything, right? That's the most broad yeah. possible option. Uh, so an attribute and two dice is your basic role. If you have a, a talent or a power, uh, you get an extra die. If you have a talent and a power, you get another extra die. So now you, uh, that's two dice, three dice, four dice. Mm -hmm. uh, then if you have a specialty, uh, that's a fifth die. And then if you can add in one of your motivations, one of your drives, that'll give you a sixth uh, die to roll. So uh, once you have your power level, uh, this will help to set uh, the values for your attributes. Um, there is a uh, – the, the way it works is um, once you have the power level, you'll, you'll look at which attribute array you want, uh, and then you can assign that in whatever order that you want. The, the powers are not predefined like key to an attribute. Okay. Uh, when you create your power, you'll define which attribute that links to your power. Um, so there's not a lot of restrictions on saying, well, I'm going to play a, um, a martial artist and making your highest attribute like wisdom or mental because that could just represent years of fighting experience. And I use my wisdom as part of my, my fighting style to avoid, uh, avoid attacks and, and you know, do my thing. Right. Uh -huh. uh, and so it, it allows you to build the character you want to play, not build the character within a confines of I have to have my deck set in to accomplish Y goals. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, to, to go back to the Netflix series, uh, like it's comparing uh, uh, Daredevil to Stick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> What's the dice system like in MetaHuman Rising? Because it sounds like it's a dice pool system to an extent, but how exactly does it work? It's a limited dice pool. It is uh, your static value plus the, the dice that you can bring to bear, and it'll be between two and six. You'll never roll more than six dice. Okay. Okay. Uh, and so the, the reason why this is set up this way is you gain dice by having a diverse array of abilities or characteristics that you can bring to the table. Uh -huh. um, but having a, a sheer knowledge of something is just as valuable. Okay. So I can push a given talent exceptionally high to the point that the D6 that I get is actually... Uh, a smaller factor, right? It's like a wild card. But I know that because I have a, a brawn of 10 and a strength of 10, I can always lift a ton. Uh, forgive me. I'm not actually looking at the book, so don't quote me on that. But like, you know, just as it No. <laughs> you can lift a lot when you have a high value. Right. But then that, that D6 lets you push that further. Okay. That makes perfect sense to me. Or I should say those D6s, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Attributes are your points and making your powers links to the attributes in a really interesting way. And I think I like that a lot. The 
ability to create a character that's not locked into a stereotype of stats, I should say. Not maybe not stereotype, but I, I always go back to D and D thinking about like, oh, the bards are always sexual because they have a high charisma. For for some reason, people are like, no, they're just good with people. It means they're hot. <laughs> I like not being locked into that. <laughs> uh, no, you're 100 right. There's definitely that that bar stereotype. I, I, I think that we need to promote the fact that um, paladins also have a high charisma, uh, and, and exactly. could be <laughs> just as amorous, uh, and so exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, yeah, like um, if you wanted to play. Uh, a performer, you don't necessarily have to have a high expression. You could just have a high uh, art talent, and and that would be just as expo- just as important as your basic ability to express yourself. Potentially more important because uh, those values are not um, intertwined. Like you can have your art be higher than your expression, right? Uh, so you could have someone who is socially stunted, but an amazing uh, vocalist or, or uh, amazing performer some other way. I think that's really cool. It's a really interesting system. Okay, so the next part to me is arguably one of my favorite parts whenever we're talking about anything themed with comics, and that's drawbacks. What are drawbacks, and how do they affect gameplay? Uh, so... With the drawbacks, we uh, we actually keep them um, pretty high level because they're 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 really personalized to the character. Um, yeah. And so we we just give some 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 high level concepts uh, like power loss. There is a thing that causes you to lose your powers, right? And mm-hmm. you can lose your powers in in one of a few ways. Um, uh, you're limited, right? Like define in what way your character is limited, and when that comes up, there is a penalty associated with it. Uh, I think there's a one called like Pariah, which is at some point when it is like narratively appropriate, no matter what happens, you are going to fail that role, right? Like it's, it's yeah. once in a story, or once in a session, you fail that role. Um, but we we try to make them broad enough that they could fit into any concept that you wanted but also made sure that they have teeth. <laughs> yeah. Um, because there are some games where if you take a drawback, you, you're, you're just flavoring your character, and it's probably not going to come up. We want to make sure that if you, if you take a drawback, it's going to matter, um, and it's going to impact the story. Mm-hmm. If you look back on stories where the hero always wins, it gets boring pretty quickly. So having these drawbacks built into the character sheet is a great way to help promote the story in an interesting narrative way. Uh, I mean, that, that, that's what we hope to accomplish, right? Um, I think uh, I'm trying to think of some of the more interesting drawbacks that we might have had. But again, I, I don't have the, the book directly in front of me right now. Um. <laughs> <laughs> One of the drawbacks I really like is the the locked drawback okay there's a really good write-up on it about one of the pre-made characters 
Yeah. Uh, so, so locked is um, it's saying that your powers. Uh, normally, when you take um, boons for your powers, you can combine them and use them in any way you want. But locked says no; it has to be used in this very specific way. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so, one of, one of the examples that I've seen come up uh, with characters from time to time is, let's say you have someone who can generate like fields of energy and um, their their power adds to offense, right? Well, you might take the devastating boon or like its advancement, which is like boost devastation, but you might take locks and say, well, that only applies if I'm making a ranged attack. Like I can, my power does help me when I'm, when I'm in melee range, but it's really more important for me to, to get you or keep you at a distance, right? That's probably one of the most basic examples of it like there, there's like way more interesting ones but i, I think that's just a, an easy way to explain it uh yeah am i making yeah. sense here <laughs> i think it makes sense it's these are the limiting factors that make the hero's life a little bit more difficult and don't always give you access to all your powers at all the times which i think is really fun yeah like that's uh, that's really what we wanted to be able to to do is is uh, make key, make sure that we keep things like interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when, when you take one, it's going to again, it's going to have an impact on both your character and subsequently on on the stories that will be told with that character. Yeah, and it's I I like it. the The character design is great. This is more or less where like things are kind of done for the character creation metahuman arising. You go back in five and six, and that's the the rest of your math and actually revisiting part zero and making sure your character lines up with what you've already agreed upon. And then rediscussing if that's what you want to stick with, which I think is such a good idea. Yeah, uh, so so it, it's very much a... Um... Like we, we want to make our characters in a group environment, but even if you don't, uh, you, you set that framework in the beginning. We, we kind of all know where we're, where we're going after that point. One of the examples I like to give with why drives are important and, and why uh, small variations in powers can make a huge difference. If you look at the Justice League, how many members are, are super strong, super tough, and can fly? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we, we, we don't want that to be the, the only thing that defines your character. It's important to have that diversity so that players feel both unique and powerful at the same time. So I think this is a good way to do it, especially when we get into things like, is it power, is it a fighting style, or is it gear? Yeah. The way that that's written is just... Perfect. It's it really gives you the difference between like, oh, Iron Man versus Batman versus that's another gear guy, but <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> but yeah, like the the Hulk, Iron Man, and um, uh, I'm trying to think of a good martial artist example. Uh, we'll, we'll just say uh, Captain America, oh, even though. Yeah. <laughs> or, or Daredevil, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, even though they have their powers, they, they are clearly martial artists, right? Yeah. I think that the write-up for this section 
is really good for helping players come to that decision. I, I think one of the, the examples that we give is like, uh, we take a, a character that learns a fighting style. I say, okay, well, th- this is kind of what you can do with a fighting style. And then uh, we said, well, what if we wanted to turn that into a superpower? All right. And so we walk you through taking that fighting style from what is within the, the realm of like, it's a martial art. We can run this in a, a fairly realistic campaign to let's get nuts with this. Um, and, uh, we, we, uh, we, so on, on our website, we did an article about martial arts and we did like different martial arts where it was like, okay, well, this is what we want to do. If if you want to keep things grounded and then this is what you want to do. If you, if you just want to take it up to 11 and we did like a number of different martial arts that way. But yeah, we, we try and break down the, the difference between, um, a power, a fighting style, a gear, and then there's nothing stopping you as a as a player or or the character from having combinations of them. Like you can be a character that has a power with a fighting style and uses gear. Yeah, one of the easiest examples I can think of for that is Green Lantern, actually. Uh, yeah, um, as a good example, um, Thor, uh, I, I think falls in this category. Uh, you can debate the fighting style on Thor, but like, uh, you know, definitely he has his own powers, but he, he sure does have a weapon on top of his powers. Oh, yeah. We, we have uh, examples of characters in the book that have uh, a mix of both. Um, like one of the signature characters, Vigilant, has a, a set of power armor, but he's like a retired uh, uh, masked vigilante from like the 1930s or 40s. And then he came out of retirement using a set of power armor. So he has a fighting style from when he was younger. He also has a suit of armor, right? He has his power armor that he, he wears, right? So he's gear and uh, fighting style. And then we have um, another character, uh, Guardian. She's kind of like the 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 poster the the poster woman for for Metahumans Rising, uh, uh-huh. who she has um, a power inherited from her her grandfather, uh, plus uh, years of training by her parents. She is rad. I love her character design. Like, thank you, thank you uh, very much for that. Like, we, we wanted to make sure that we had a, a good mix of character looks and, and feels uh, when, when we developed the Steel Aces. And that's actually something that I wanted to talk to you a little bit about. So Metahuman Rising also has a tying comic book, comic book series, I should say, called Steel Aces. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to talk about that. Um, so Steel Aces... Uh, evolved from the the original uh, RPG, uh, which is we, we essentially said that we're not done with the characters yet, um, and we, we want to tell uh, stories with them. And so, uh, effectively, with the onset of the pandemic, creativity strikes, right? Um, yeah. And and so beget the Steel Aces comic. That, that's on our website. Uh, the first issue is done. We're actually uh, just down to the second page of the, the second issue. And it, it's kind of like a team origin story for them. We, we, we're very curious as to where the story goes from here. Like, a, as a writer, I, I'm really looking forward to, to continuing to explore the, uh, the narrative. And uh, it, it's interesting working in a, in a web comic where our updates are... You know, it's it's not like a traditional comic where 
you know, here's the entire story right up front. Because the, the story is spaced out, uh, it gives the chance to like, like look at it as it's evolving and say, hey, what's happening here? Do we need to make adjustments like along the way? Is there something that we need to, to explore more? And that, that's been really fun. I've I said it before in the Discord. I really like the art style for Steel Aces. I think it's really evocative of kind of like modern comics in in a very interesting way, but also very much has this feel of like a comic made from people who love comics. And I haven't found anything quite like it. I'm really excited to look more into Steel Aces and see what it's all about. Thank you. Um, like again, we, we just we really enjoyed creating it and uh, and telling these stories. Well, story because we're still telling the first story, but you get the idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot. It's ongoing. Writing is definitely super interesting. And one of the things I wanted to kind of ask you about though is what what was kind of the spark for creating Metahuman Rising. Um, so, so we released Fracture Kingdom in 2013 and immediately I was no longer happy with it. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I liked the, the root of the engine and I, I wanted to, uh, take that and, and see what else we could do with it. One of the things about Fractured Kingdom was that it was really about wearing you down and, and creating a sense of desperation, even though you had these like mystical powers. Yeah. Um, but what I wanted to do with Betty was rising is say, no, 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 it, it, it's not about wearing you down. It's about rising up, even though you are beaten down. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that really changed the perspective of how the game played and we, we made some tweaks to the engine um and uh uh developed the, the power system as opposed to uh much more rigid like chains of, of abilities that we had the the previous game uh, yeah but that that was because like just once you say superheroes the floodgates are open right yes <laughs> and uh we, we wanted to make sure that you could make just whatever you imagine. <laughs> and then just, we, we wanted to express the, the ability to get creative and reward you for it. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, we, we wanted you to come up with wacky one-time use powers. Right. Uh, or, yeah. or uh, just some creative solution to an impossible problem. Um, yes. And so the willpower mechanic kind of evolved from that. There is a lot of options for MetaHuman Rising. People who are frequent listeners of Schedule for Launch will notice that this one's format's a little bit different. And I think that's because MetaHuman Rising is such a big game in such a neatly wrapped package. The way that it gives you options is so impressive. I, I'm talking a lot and like, I'm chatting up a lot of praise for this because I am genuinely super impressed by this. I get to read a lot of games because of schedule for launch 
And this is one of the best open character creators I've seen. And it gives you so many amazing narrative tools. One of them being the, oh my gosh, we, we just been talking about it. The right before the show started, the, the dangers mechanic disasters disasters thank you i do not know why i could not remember the word disaster can you talk a little bit about disasters in this game yeah yeah yeah. um so so one of the things that we wanted to do is we wanted to address big problems that happen in in comics and superhero movies that are, are a lot harder in some rpgs than than uh and so you don't really see them, but because it's superheroes, we wanted you to be able to fight a forest fire or um, stop a uh, or save people from a burning building. And, and but we didn't want to get into well, how much water can you carry, and uh, you know, uh, can you spin so fast that you you extinguish the fire by removing the the oxygen within the vortex, or, or, or weird things like that, right? And, yeah. and so. Uh, when you create a disaster, you say, okay, this is what the disaster is. This is the size and the scope of the disaster. This is how dangerous the disaster is. And that sets kind of like, what is the target number to, to beat? If you're, if you're threatened by the disaster, i.e. Uh, you can be harmed in this, how much damage do you take? And then uh, you can add other like narrative beats uh, for complications. Uh, it also success, uh, sets up a success threshold for the disaster um, and, and the victory conditions for the heroes. And, and you say, okay, well, if the disaster reaches its goal, this will happen, right? Uh, I think the, the example in the book is a weather manipulator, an, uh, an evil weather manipulator takes over a hydroelectric plant and uh, straps in a power amplifier to it and creates a a, uh, a a massive storm that encompasses the entire city. And so the, the heroes have to come up with creative means to deal with that. Actually, I think I took that, and I eventually turned it into a, a one-shot adventure. Um, like that, that actually became like its whole own adventure. Uh, that, that, that's on the side. But when you're doing that, uh, or when you're running a disaster, you don't have to worry about well, my attack role is this. My my defense is that. Uh, it is simply, this is how I want to try and address the disaster and how I want to try and help people or, or help mitigate the harm that is being caused, right? And as long as um, you're able to, to give this narration, you are, you are going to make a role based on what your character's actions are and it is going to help you to mitigate the disaster, right? And uh, I, I've mentioned, like, burning buildings. I mentioned, like, uh, massive storms. But we've also used disasters for things like uh, kaiju. Um, I actually have, like, a Thanksgiving adventure that, that uh, has been going on for a couple of years now. And, uh, <laughs> like, uh, 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 Gobbler is a, a uh, like, 300-foot-tall uh, turkey that splits uh, flaming uh, flaming balls of butter, and um, uh, we, we run him as a disaster because you know you can stat him out. I think at one point we did, uh, but but that, that, that's just like that's a disaster. You got to deal with that. 
villains are easy because you can do something to them. It's a lot harder when the the quote-unquote bad guy is an earthquake. Yeah. And that that's 100% what we wanted to try and address is, um, you know, like the, the first Christopher Reeve Superman movie. How do you prevent that earthquake from causing massive destruction? I'm, okay, granted, the answer was turn back time, but you know, like we, we want this kind of storytelling, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, Dave, we've been going for over 50 minutes now. So we should probably start wrapping up. I've been really enjoying learning about MetaHumans Rising, but I got a couple more questions for you, if that's all right. Yeah, no, that's probably all right. Yeah. So just real quick, how does a typical session of MetaHumans Rising run? Uh, so that's, I'm leery to say how a session would run. I've written a number of one-shot adventures, and I can tell you how, like, an adventure okay. is formatted. Okay. Yeah, let's, that, that's probably better then. <laughs> um, so the, the, and there's actually, like, some GM advice on, like, uh, creating a, a narrative flow for a given story. And I, mm-hmm. I, I tend to follow this, uh, myself when I'm writing these one-shots, um, but uh, essentially, you either have like a personal scene or, or some type of establishing scene that, that'll set up uh, the events, um, then uh, uh, some form of escalation. This might be research or, or, or like calamities that are related to that, that initial foreshadowing event, then, then some type of climax, some type of aftermath. Um, and that, that, that's usually like the progression of like a superhero story. Uh, or, or not every superhero story, obviously, but like, like a lot of them. Yeah. You know, if you go back, you watch this episode of like, uh, let's say, like the Justice League from the 2000s, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you, you'll see that format quite a bit. Um, and so the the idea, though, is, is we want to make sure that everybody gets some spotlight time. Everybody has a chance to personalize the adventure. But as far as a session goes... Uh, like there, there's no uh, there's no like hard or fast rules of like um, uh, like like uh, like games like Mouse Guard or, or Blades of the Dark come to mind here, uh, where it says like, during the course of the session th- these are the, the different things that you need to like beats that you have to hit. Uh, yeah. we're, we're we're a little bit more loosey goosey. Like we're telling a story and it's like we know the narrative beats that we want to hit, but there, there's no like structured format of how to get there. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. It runs closer to, like I said, I'm going to use it again, like a D&D game than it does a Blades of the Dark or Powered by the Apocalypse style game. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, while while uh, we, we definitely... Um, I I love PBTA games. I, I wish mm-hmm. I had that level of creativity. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the, the the structure of a session is, is is much more open. And I think that's totally fair. So, Dave, let's get into the the last two questions here. These are the ones that are asked on every single episode to some extent. What advice can you give to a creator who might want to make their own game or write their own stuff, but they don't really know where to start? Um. So. 
it, it's different for everyone, and I, I don't want to give like a non-answer here. Um, <laughs> but I, I would start by, you know, if you have an idea, put it on paper or, you know, put it on a, a document of some type. You know, we live in the future, so, you know, paper might not be necessary. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I said, it's been gaming since the 80s, so, you know, paper. Um, you know, get your ideas down, right? And then if you're a game designer, right, or, or if you're a, a creative, ask yourself, uh, what, what is the scope of what I'm creating? Um, do, do I need an entire system out of whole cloth? Is there something there that I can, I can pull together? I, I, I know that there's a, there's a ton of games out there that are like inspired by like lasers and feeling like the two stat kind of concept. Uh, yeah. although I, I always think of uh 316 carnage among the stars. I don't know which one came first. Um, Oh, I have no idea. But, uh, uh, the, the point I'm making is, um, there, there, there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, this is my concept and I'm applying it to this system. Like there, there are games that are like Savage Worlds that are like designed for this, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Like Blades in the Dark, Powered by the Apocalypse, they, they are immensely like uh, hackable uh, systems. Um, and, and then you have your, your universal stuff. Like even Medium is Rising, because we're superheroes, it, it's, Pretty much, you can do a whole lot with it. Uh, yeah. I, I've run like um, low-powered supernatural investigator stuff. Um, if you are going to to make that leap into designing or developing your own like entire like engine whole cloth, take it in steps. And I'm, I'm not saying like you know run Scrum and and uh, <laughs> set up your 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 stories <laughs> and your campaigns. Uh, but, um, you know, break it down into, to manageable chunks and, and test every chance that you get to make sure that you're, you know, what your, what your stated concept is and, and the thing that you're creating are, are aligning, uh, or if you're changing from your original concept that what, what you're, what you're creating, uh, is, is, uh, what you want to create. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of of times where you start off to do this thing and, and the, the product that you end up creating is like radically different. And you go, well, how did I get here? And, you know, if you, if you, if you didn't like take some, some manageable chunks or, or you, you didn't break it down, compartmentalize it, it may be hard to back in, uh, figure out how to get back to the product that you wanted. Keep in mind, this is the thing that I had, right? Like I, I struggled for, uh, uh, Easily a decade, um, uh, with, with this with this system that again some random metalhead in in my high school said, "Hey, let's do this thing with this mechanic I thought of," and uh, I I ended up with this this beastly thing that I I couldn't or beastly the engine that I just I I couldn't figure out how I got here and I couldn't figure out how to unwind and I just had to like shell the entire thing and start again. <laughs> that's one of the wild things to me too especially because you finish up your first game i was like i don't know if i like that actually and a couple of years later this came out so i think that's really cool yeah i and um it, it's I, I hear this a lot from from creators you know we'll 
will uh, will create something, and then immediately it's like, now I can see all the flaws in this, and I want to create yeah. something different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I, I, I think if I, I if I could go back, there's probably a number of things I, I change in MetaHumans Rising, uh, and at the same time, I find the the uh, the rules engine and, and the, the setup for it easy for me to work in. And so I, I've actually created like a fair amount of content for the game uh, since it's released. Yeah, it's it's a good system. It works really well. It's super interesting. I think it's a good place for telling superhero stories. It I, I like it a lot. And I'm looking, I'm actually looking forward to just reading it properly. It's it's a lot of fun. It's well written. It's really digestible. That's what I think is the best part about this is the examples are well put. The layout is great. Just there's so many options and they don't feel overwhelming, which is tough. It's really tough to give a lot of options and not drown your audience. Uh, again, I, I can only say thank you. And and, and uh, if if you're if you're picking up MetaHumans Rising because you're you're listening to this podcast, uh, in the in the back of the power section, there's actually a bunch of sample powers. Uh, yeah. Jumping off parts yeah. in case you're worried about analysis paralysis. That's one of the things I was specifically <laughs> meaning. Just like those options for powers in the back pre down. It's once again, it's there's a lot there, but it's really easily digestible. So I think that's really important and really good. Dave, where can people find out more about MetaHumans Rising, Steel Aces, and you? Uh, so there's two uh, two best places to look. Um, one is our website, which is just housedoc.com. That's D-O-K.com. Um, we publish content every week. Um, uh, Steel Aces uh, is every two weeks, and then uh, every other week is, is some other form of MetaHumans Rising related content. Um, once a month, we publish uh, an adventure seed, which is like a a, a fleshed out or, or partially fleshed out one shot. Now that we're into March, I'm, I'm finally past holiday season. <laughs> uh, and and so. Uh, we we uh we have some some interesting uh stories to tell um but the the comic is also there at the the house doc website again that's dok not doc um yeah and then the the other place to find us is over on patreon uh which is just patreon.com slash metahumans and uh there you get early access to our our uh, our releases comics. Uh, there's behind the scenes videos. Um, there there's web extras for uh, the different adventures uh, and and other additional content there. Uh, and I, I think that links to like a Discord and stuff like that. Uh, we're also up on like Drive Through. We're on Itch as well. Uh, you can get physical copies uh, from Studio Two. Yeah. I think those are the places to find me. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I think my Twitter is like HouseDocPro. Uh, and then we're on Facebook. If you just look up MetaHumans Rising on Facebook, we're there too. We, we are looking at 
a new expansion for Medievals Rising. In addition to the web comic, uh, I'm sorry, web content that includes the web comic. <laughs> uh, we, we are developing a a new larger, like a more robust supplement. Um, right now, I'm, I'm looking for sensitivity readers um, to help flesh out the the timeline um, as, as part of the supplement. That's super important i think just getting it read by other people a more diverse audience is really important um as always audience all those links that dave just mentioned those are going to be linked down in the description down below dave thank you so much for joining me here on schedule for launch i love this i love learning about this game a little bit more in depth again just Thank you so much for having me. And I, I, I think I just reminded myself of something I, I should have mentioned when you were asking about like advice for, for new creators. Um, show your work to your friends and, and, and oh, even yeah. people that you don't know that are interested in, in what you're doing because getting that feedback can be vital uh, for, for helping you to, to identify the things that work and the things that don't work. Yeah, just a, a vital piece of advice is like, you know, play test and, and make sure you're, you're showing your work to others. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, 100%, like, thank you for having me. It's been a blast talking with you. I know we went a little bit long. Uh, oh, it's fine. I had a lot of fun learning about this game. Audience, thank you for joining us. Dave, thank you so much for being here. Dave and MetaHumans Rising, they've already launched, so go pick them up. Follow them on Patreon. There's a lot of really cool content for this game. And there is so much you can do. You might actually own this game if you recently bought the Texas Trans Rights Bundle. I didn't realize I did at first. And I was very excited when I got to look at this. It was It's super cool. So check it out if you haven't already. And buy it if you don't. Because I think you will like this game, especially if you like comics. Take care of yourselves. Have a good night. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye-bye. Thank you so much to Dave for coming onto the show this week. MetaHumans Rising is an incredibly unique game, and it's got this huge thing on flexibility for creating the character of your dreams. I just, I love it. It's great. Dave is still looking for sensitivity readers for the upcoming MetaHumans Rising project and has asked me to add that he's really hoping to get some people who don't live in the United States. While I can use folks from all walks of life, he doesn't have that many from other countries and he's really hoping to get them in there. So if you're interested, please reach out to him and help develop this amazing project. And thank you, dear listener. I know the upload schedule has been a bit spotty recently, but those of you who join me on the Tales of the Void stream later tonight and Probably next week, honestly, we'll get a vague idea how moving has gone. Needless to say, it's getting there. I hope to be back on track really soon with the show. And thank you so much for hanging in there with me while I get this all sorted out and get myself situated in a new living space. It's been a lot of fun. I'm having a good time. If you like this episode and you want to hear more or even come onto the show, why not reach out to me on socials? You can find me on Twitter or Join the Schedule for Launch Discord. My email's also listed down below, so you can even shoot me a message there. I'm looking for all sorts of new creators to feature, so if you're working on something or have a game coming out, 
and you just want to talk about it and get it out there, please do not hesitate to ask. There's going to be an episode next week. I know that I was making it sound like this is going to be a weird upload schedule. We're going to have some consistency next week, I promise. I don't know about the week after that. But it was a lot of fun to have the conversation I did with Adam about his various projects. And I can't wait for you to hear all about those games. I'll see you there. Bye.